Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the CGF Sustainability Podcast with me, Louise Chester. In this series, we take a deep dive into all things sustainability, from forced labour to plastic waste and the circular economy, to food waste, forests and so much more. For our first episode of the series this year, it's a great pleasure to be talking to Preeti Shriverstaff, Group Sustainability Director at Asahi Europe and International. I really want to find out much more about Asahi's work on sustainability to date and what they have coming up on the horizon and also get to know Preeti a bit more. She really is a strong female figure in the sustainability world and we need more of those. So let's get started. So hello Preeti, thank you so much for joining me today on the CGF podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Louise, and thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I'm excited to chat to you. So I thought that the logical starting point for our conversation today would be if you could begin by telling our listeners about Asai's sustainability strategy. Sure, sure. And, you know, this is something that I get asked a lot. And for me, it's such a such a nice answer because, you know, at Asahi, sustainability is nothing new. You know, we've been committed to running a business in harmony with nature for a very, very long time. It is just core to what we do. And we've always felt that our legacy is not only in the joy we create with our beers, with our drinks, but it's about the people we work with, the consumers who drink our beers, our farmers and the planet itself. So for us, the positive impact is if we can combine all of these elements within our sustainability strategy. And that's what we've tried to do. Um, I would start by saying the biggest uh, part of our strategy is electricity. So by 2025, all of our breweries in Europe will run on 100% renewable electricity. Then the next milestone for us is 2030, where our breweries will be carbon neutral. Our packaging will be 100% recyclable or reusable. We'll reduce our water consumption. And then finally, all of our ingredients will be sustainably sourced. So these are the key elements of our sustainability strategy. And just to make sure that we are holding ourselves accountable, we've committed to 1.5 degree science-based targets. Our ultimate goal, obviously, is to become carbon neutral across our entire supply chain by 2050. And that's one of the reasons that we joined uh, Race to Zero as well last year. Super. Thank you, Preeti. Thank you for sharing. It's it's a very all-encompassing uh, strategy. And it's it's good that you finished there by talking about carbon neutrality. I really wanted to ask you why it is important for Asahi to be part of the race to zero. You know, we debated about that a lot because uh, we do have so many different targets and we were like, why, why another one? Why join another coalition? And we realized that when you talk about race to zero, it is so important to show this ambition to your peers and to the industry and to your consumers and everybody, all our stakeholders are looking out for companies to take a lead and come out and talk about their commitments towards net zero. And I felt that Race to Zero was the perfect platform to do so. Mm -hmm. A big part of our culture is, let's not just think about today, let's think about tomorrow, set our standards high. And it comes with the taste of our beverages, but also more importantly, how we act as a company. And we realized that the entire economy needs to move towards 1.5, mm -hmm. uh, needs to move towards uh, net zero. And our industry, in particular, Louise, we rely on the gifts of nature, right? We heavily 
are dependent on the agriculture commodities that are part of our supply chain. Mm -hmm. As the climate is changing, these gifts are getting threatened and so is our business. So for us, it's, it's critical that we reduce our emissions now to ensure that we can continue to brew great beer for our consumers. So this was more or less the rationale that we joined the race to zero four. And we realized that when we do so, it's not only about reducing emissions, it's about harnessing growth. It's about driving innovation. And a lot of our consumers and customers are already demanding us to create climate-friendly products because they want to play their part. And then we realize we need to play our part and show collective action. And we believe we can get there a bit quicker together. Yes, absolutely. I really, really liked what you said about um you know the, the the brands sort of taking from the fruits of the the planet of nature and then giving back I think that's that's so important for our industry to to consider it that way um so I wanted to switch gears and talk to you a bit about plastics I would love to hear more about the work that that you're doing in in that area sure uh plastics is such a difficult one and I'm sure you know about it more than I do right it's, it's so critical to how we uh, sell our products. It's so critical for our consumers to know that our packaging is safe, keeping the product safe, and also showing all the relevant information to them on the packaging. So that's why plastics and packaging has been such a, uh, I wouldn't say challenging, but such a uh, interesting area for us to work on. We've kept an ambitious target. So our target is 100% reusable or recyclable packaging by 2030 in all of our products. But alongside all of this, we realize that a particular focus on plastic usage is required as well. We've started collaborating with a lot of our partners on uh, the packaging producers, retailers, waste collection, recycling, and all of these players in the system are crucial, right? So we've started working with all of them the deposit return schemes, directives that are coming out and all of the EU member states, they're gonna play a role in this as well. And we want to support our customers as well, right? I want them to be able to look at the packaging or the plastic that the product is in and some shape or form, encourage them to help manage the waste as well, help them recycle more, reuse more and achieve the maximum recyclability within the life cycle. So we're working on reduce, reuse, recycle course but alongside that we're working at um, how to customize our product designs so that the actual plastic usage is lesser in the design itself and then finally we're doing a lot of R&D on innovative materials that could potentially either reduce or replace plastic in our packaging. Brilliant well I appreciate I would love to hear more about those innovative uh, packaging solutions that you you just mentioned do you have any examples that you could share and I would also actually like to hear which of which of your products are actually packaged in in plastics because I had always naively thought that everything was glass almost all of our products have a, a bit of everything Louise uh, okay fortunately or unfortunately fortunately because then it gives us room to maneuver we can work on so many different materials like glass aluminum mm -hmm. cans, cardboard boxes, or uh, plastic shrinks, and even the labels, right? So every brand and every product that we have has a packaging mix. And um, in terms of innovative examples, one of the ones that I'm very proud of is um, what we did with Grolsch in Netherlands. That's our brand in Netherlands. And there, uh, last year, 
we replaced all the plastic around the can carriers with cardboard packaging. So we launched a patented top clip for multi-packs. And with this new packaging, uh, we have saved more than 100,000 kilograms of new plastics every year. So about 4 million plastic bags. Wow, brilliant. Yeah, and I love it because it's 100% plastic free. It's not yeah. just incremental reduction, right? These are the kind of examples that keeps me going. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it mm-hmm. feel like it's doable. Uh, so this is a really good one. And the other one, you may find this interesting, Louise, because I was quite surprised as well as to the footprint that some of the uh, beverages have from the labels, right? We have these paper labels on a lot of uh, beverages that we make. And in Czech Republic, uh, our brand is Pilsner Yurkwil here. And for that packaging, the plastic labels and aluminum foil that we used to have, they've been replaced with 100% recyclable paper labels. So the new bottles are obviously more sustainable. Mm -hmm. The more important part is they're so much more easier to recycle. And they- Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, they have lesser waste by design. So that was a good one as well. Yeah. Um, Great. So just to switch gears then, Preeti. So you've mentioned collaboration and why this has been so important on so many of your different um, projects. And it's absolutely at the heart of what we do at the CGF. So I just wanted to hear a bit more from you about how how collaboration has helped you achieve your sustainability goals at Asahi. And perhaps you have some examples to share there too. Sure, sure. And uh, maybe I'll preface that answer with a little bit of a personal observation. I've been in the sustainability area for almost two decades now, uh, Luis, and it's incredible how you see the exponential change that can come with collaboration, right? I don't Mm -hmm. know if you remember in the beginning when sustainability was picking up steam, everybody was trying to do their own thing. And there was this lack of transparency, lack of disclosure, which also led to lack of collaboration. And then the speed was so much lesser than what we have today because of organizations like CGF and so many other uh, platforms that are fostering collective action. So I have actually seen it happen. And I truly believe that when it comes to sustainability, we cannot do it alone for sure. And as a global company like Asahi, we have breweries in so many different markets with absolutely different challenges. And unless we collaborate locally in each market and globally with our peers and within and beyond the industry, there is no way that we will be able to tackle our challenges. And if you look at our footprint, we have some markets where we still need to start from the basics. We still need to do awareness building. And then we have other markets which are very, very advanced. And often the solution to some of our problems doesn't even exist yet. So we need to look at others within the industry to see how they are tackling those. Um, And that's why we've created sort of a two-tier system. We collaborate within our industry. So we are part of Brewers of Europe. We actually chair Brewers of Europe. Okay. Talking to all of the other brewers to share our experiences, learn from them. And then the second part to our collaboration is looking at beyond our industry, right? So what is happening in other sectors? And for that, I think CGF uh, helps, um, RD100 helps, uh, also this Communicators of Change Task Force really helped. So these are the two ways in which we are looking at collaboration. And the third bit that actually is a little bit more internal, but is also quite pivotal is how do we collaborate with our 
more than 11,000 suppliers, right? And they are all mm -hmm. in different sizes and shapes. And we know that one size is not going to fit all. So collaboration is almost, you know, the foundation of every target and every ambition we have on sustainability. We're trying to learn from others, share what we have learned, um, getting inspired by them and hopefully inspiring others as well. Super. So we are at the start of a new year. We're recording this on, on January 20th. And so I think it's a, it's a nice moment to, to reflect on what's coming up for you. So I would love to hear what, what Asahi has planned in terms of uh, sustainability for this coming year. How much time do you have, Luke? <laughs> uh, approximately <laughs> 10 more minutes. <laughs> No, I think we, we are on such an amplified journey of sustainability, right? Like when we come into January, um, I remember thinking, great, so this year we're going to have three focus areas. And then those three turned into 10. And then we realized, oh, my God, the market is changing. And mm -hmm. oh my God, you know, we are uh, having uh, new announcements at COP. So it's really turned into um, a long list of things that we need to do. But they're all good things. And they're all important things that we need to achieve in 2022. I think the biggest one for us, um, because we are getting so close to 2025, which is the first milestone for our targets on 100% renewable electricity, that's going to be a big focus area for us this year. Yeah, um, We've already achieved this target in Poland, Italy, and Netherlands, but we still have a lot to do in the other markets. So that's going to be uh, one of our priorities this year. The second priority that we have set aside is focusing a bit more on our scope three reductions. So working with our supply chain and also deepening the type of work that we do with them instead of just sharing our targets or motivating them to uh, align with our targets. We're trying to see if we can support them a little bit more in terms of knowledge sharing, in terms of financing models so that you know the whole onus just doesn't lie on them so that we can support them a little bit more. Okay, fantastic. I, I love hearing about that. So I wanted to finish on on a bit more of a personal note. Um, the sustainability is a field which is still quite uh, male dominated. And so I, I, obviously you are you are not male, I would love to hear more about your experiences as a strong female leader in, in this field. And Perhaps you could uh, offer some advice to more junior female colleagues who are hoping to, to build a career in sustainability. Happy to do so. And you know what? It's not just the sustainability field, right? Almost all yeah. the areas. I think we need to make like a pivotal shift in all of yeah. the areas. Yeah, sadly, <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think sustainability just, just by design has so many brilliant areas within it like the social equity the the uh, social impact that we want to bring around diversity inclusion these are all parts of sustainability i think when we think about sustainability quite intuitively 90 percent of the people think hey we're talking about environment but we're also talking about the society there and i think that's why it's all the more important for people like us in sustainability to have a bit more focus on how we can help other women lead in these areas. And I think uh, focus, hard work, and perseverance can take you anywhere, to be honest. And I'm a living testament of that. I know so many other women leaders who will say the same, that you just have to dream big. And quite honestly, 
just make your own rules because a lot of people get stuck in trying to follow other rules or follow the definition of success that others have, but you have to make your own own definition. And I tried doing that when I realized that for me, my career is not an individual pursuit, right? At any time you see a huge career success, you see that at the heart of it, there are spectacular fireworks of individuals that are challenging and supporting you. So I think it's important to surround yourself with brilliant, creative, inspiring women and men. And to be honest, just working in that group can be its own reward and extremely motivating. But at the end of the day, you just you just have to make your own music, sing your own song. And even if nobody else sings along, right? So that's my mantra. That is beautiful. I almost have a tear in my eye. I feel like we could do a whole podcast episode just on inspiring women to to move forwards in their careers I just there were so many quotable things that you said there I loved it dream big and make your own rules um thank you so much for sharing that wisdom um and thank you for this great conversation I feel we've touched on so many different things we we could dive into all of those so much more and um yeah it's been such a pleasure to to speak to you and hear about everything that's going on at Asai and I wish you and the, the company all the best for, for the year ahead so thank I you Preeti and, and honestly the pleasure is all mine talk <laughs> soon have a lovely day if you would like to find out more about the Consumer Goods Forum and our work on sustainability you can visit our website at www.theconsumergoodsforum.com If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the podcast for more episodes coming very soon. Thank you and bye for now.